Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is American Conversations, and I am honored to be joined today by my colleague, Todd Wood, who's the founder of CD Media, and Robert F. Kennedy, who is the Bobby, I don't know what's your title. You're the founder of Children's Health Defense, your chief litigator. You're on the board. Um, and you guys and some others have filed a suit against the Trust News Initiative. Uh, and so let's talk about this, about you know what this case is about. It's a First Amendment, it's an antitrust case. Bobby, explain to the audience what the Trust uh, News Initiative is. Well, I, the, the, uh, the case addresses a uh, collusive agreement that binds many of the principal news, the, you know, the legacy news sites in the United States and in Europe and really all around the world in a, um, in a essentially a, a, a conspiracy, an antitrust conspiracy to suppress smaller and independent news sites and to deliver a government-approved version of the news. So uh, here's what happened. BBC, which is a um, which is a unique kind of television network in Britain that is uh, arguably government-controlled, a government network. It's publicly funded network where viewers uh, pay for it. And it's, it ha it's managed by, uh, by elements of the British government. It also has very strong ties to the British intelligence services. BBC at the beginning uh, in late 2019 or early 2020, we do not know yet exactly when they hashed this plan, approached uh, many of the US legacy news providers, including the ones who, uh, who signed on with Washington Post, um, the LA Times, uh, the AP, Reuters, and several others. And they sent, as well as the social media sites, so Google, Facebook, um, uh, and, uh, and all the other major social media sites, uh, Microsoft, etc., signed on to this, this deal where they agreed to that they would have one version of the news, which would be when it came to COVID, it would be the CDC and WHO version of the news. And that anybody who, any of the, the news sites, the independent news providers on the internet who challenged that or asked questions about it or dissented from it would be closed off from the social media sites. So the most, there are a thousand, one of the things that BBC said when it was proposing this, and we now have the memo, is they said, you know, we appear to be, most people would consider us, BBC, to be a competitor of CNN and the rest of you. Mm. But the real exit, what they said, existential rivalry is coming from thousands of independent news providers that have now blossomed like mushrooms on the internet that are giving different versions of the news. And not only are they stealing our customers, but they're also cutting away trust in our networks. And so to restore that trust and to what they said, choke off or crush these little sites, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have one version of the news that we will all agree on 
and it's essentially the government version of the news and the government narratives and anybody who tries to challenge the government narratives, we will destroy their access, cut off their access to the social media platforms. All of those independent news sites on the media rely on the social media platforms. So occasionally they'll put a story on that goes viral and that's how they get new customers. If you cut them off from the social media, it destroys them. And that was the objective. So they had two objectives. One was promoting a uniform government-approved version of the news. The other was to crush their opponents, these, you know, these independent news providers. So what we do, we're doing is we're representing a bunch of those independent news providers. Uh, you know, Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit, uh, Charlene and, and Ty Bollinger from uh, The Truth About Cancer, many, many others who are plaintiffs in our case, and of course, CHD, et cetera, uh, Children's Health Defense, which has its own news site, which has been strangled because of this and lost a lot of revenue. And we're suing them under a classic antitrust act, the Sherman Antitrust Act, that you can't, you know, the major actors in the marketplace cannot collude together to, uh, uh, to, destroy the mar market access or their smaller competitors. So this is a classic um, antitrust case. But as you pointed out, the real issue here is the First Amendment and ultimately democracy. I mean, the, the job of, of the press, the function of the press in a democracy is to maintain this, you know, a fierce antagonism toward, as Louis Brandeis called it, the, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, toward the government and toward other aggregations of power. The, right. you know, it's supposed to be an antagonistic relationship. The, the, the news uh, and the fourth estate, the journalism is supposed to speak truth to power. So they're, they're supposed to be willing to stand. We know that power corrupts. We know that people in authority lie, and the uh, and the, the the purpose of the press, the function of the press, it, to preserve democracy, is to constantly question, constantly dissent, to give voice to the voiceless, to provide a bullhorn for alternative views, and to maintain the free flow of information for for democracies. Dissent, debate, the free flow of information is oxygen and sunlight for democracy. When you cut that off, democracy withers and ultimately it will die. One of the things that the founders discussed when they framed the Constitution and they put free expression in the First Amendment mm -hmm. was this idea that uh, democracies are going to be very, very inefficient. And so totalitarian states will have an advantage over democracy. And the way that democracy regains the advantage, because democracy is sloppy, it's messy, it, you know, it, it's a product of negotiation, it's a product of argument and debate. The way that the, the democracy will regain the advantage over totalitarianism is that um, the free flow of information, the encouragement of debate, of discussion, of conversation will, will assure that the best ideas are annealed in the furnace of debate and then rise in the marketplace ideas and, and are transferred into, into transformed into policy. 
And that will be something only a democracy with free expression and free flow of information is capable of, really, of, you know, of, of figuring out, of being able to take advantage of this synthesis from the conflict of different ideas and different notions of governing. And if you cut off that, the, the capacity of those arguments to occur, democracy loses any advantage that it has over totalitarianism. But also, you know, there's never been any time in history when the people who censored were, you know, where we look at them and say they were the good guys. Everybody knows. I mean, we all grew up mm. in a milieu where only, you know, Nazis and communists censored people that in america you could come and you could you know you, the, the nazis could march in skokie illinois right and it was liberals who were fighting for their right to march you know everybody was revolted by what they were saying but we would die for their right to say it because that is, you know, that's the only way that a democracy functions is if you and when you know now we're living in an era where people, the word liberal means, you know, it was, it, it was, it means freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom to act. And liberalism was, you know, was a, a system of encouraging those freedoms because they encourage human creativity and, um, and, and, and human excellence. And now we're living in an area era where liberals are now championing for the first time in history are championing censorship. 75%, according to the Rasmussen poll, 75% of Democrats say that they believe that uh, government should censor people who disagree with government policies. Well, of course, the reason we had the revolution in this country is because right. we wanted to, we, we said Americans should be able to, should be able to criticize their government. And it's ironic, it's now a British, you know, government institution that is now directing censorship of the American people. And it's going to be a hell of it's going to be a hell of a war. I want to bring Todd into this because CD Media is is a plaintiff in this case as well. Todd, explain to the public what happened to CD Media. Well, briefly, in 2019, we were very impactful uh, in Ukraine. We have a team on the ground since Maidan in 14, and we outed everything the Bidens were doing, money laundering, et cetera, along with the U.S. national security state, the embassy, uh, and, and the intelligence services, et cetera. So we wrote a series of articles, which turned out to be all true now. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we published in 2020, right before the election, an interview with someone who had done a deep dive on the, some of the election machinations in Dallas. Um, and we're talking in 2018 and we're bringing all this out. So when, after that, within a short period of time, we were deplatformed off 25 Silicon Valley accounts and platforms, MailChimp, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, PayPal, CJ affiliate. I mean, I could just go down and think of them all. So they came after us hard. Our traffic dropped by 75%, but you know, karma, we've rebuilt away from these platforms on other free speech platforms. And now we're having record traffic because people trust us. And so. Yes, and happy to be part of this lawsuit and hope it goes well. So I think this is a great lawsuit, having worked at four networks and worked in the and grew up in the legacy media. I mean, my mentors were pe people like Hal Bruno and Sandy Van Oker and George Watson. And, you know, it, it, it was a it was a time when we were competitive. ABC was number three when I joined them. They were competitive. They, they you know, they had Rune Arledge's uh, 
president of ABC Sports as well as ABC News. I mean, it's there's a competition that's in legacy media. We know this. The internet in the last 20 years has brought on people who are not necessarily journalists. Some of them are bloggers. Some of them are not critical thinkers. But when there's real news organizations that take it seriously, like Children's Health Defense and CD Media and the other platforms that want to get the truth out. Now, Bobby, you know, what, what I'm taking a look at as somebody who's been in the business for decades is the fact that what they're doing in terms of demanding that it be the same, that you agree with the same quote unquote, COVID government narrative, that people are dying because they're not getting the right information. So does that even, does that add to this, uh, uh, the argument about the antitrust? Because I think this is very serious in terms of people being denied information that can save their lives. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be able to make that argument in this case, at least. I mean, you know, in a First Amendment case, you shouldn't even have to make that argument because it, there's so much Supreme Court jurisprudence that says um, that that the First Amendment protect, protects all speech, it, even speech that is lies, even speech that is hate speech, it protects it. And that the remedy for bad speech is more speech. It's not censorship. And, you know, that it's not, it's an unsatisfactory result for many people because you don't want, you, you'd like to be able to ban hate speech. But, mm-hmm. You know, the problem is once you say, once you give some entity the power to regulate what is and is not hate speech or pornography or whatever, you, um, you've now created a power center where they are unaccountable and um, where where speech that is not um, hateful, that is not, that should not be regulated, starts to get regulated. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, what I said, it's the role of the environmental community is really interesting now because they have stood on the sidelines and stayed silent. And I was part of the environmental and am part of the environmental community for many, many years. Um, that was my, you know, my primary occupation. And what I've said to people who are my friends, how can you sit by and let the government allow pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. like Pfizer, mm-hmm. to, which had a direct access to Twitter, mm-hmm. to censor its critic? How long do you think it is once once they say, once the courts and everybody say it's okay for a pharmaceutical company to censor critics? Yeah. How long till an oil company can, you know, censor its critics or the military industrial complex, as, as you know, Todd was saying, they've been censoring speech for many, many years indirectly. I mean, during the Iraq war, nobody was allowed on any network who would say, wait a minute. Right. What is, you know, this, this, we're about to step into the worst foreign policy blunder in the history of our country. Saddam Hussein is a horrible, horrible person, but he did not attack us. This is a preemptive war, and they're lying about weapons of mass destruction. And as bad as Saddam Hussein is, what's the plan for replacing him? What's better? And now we know what it was. It's a war that has spread across the Mideast. That created two million refugees in Syria that went to Europe and destroyed democracy in Europe. And they, you know, that's what happened. That's why Brexit happened. Mm-hmm. Huge invasion of refugees that we created in the Middle East. And you know, we have not solved the problem in Iraq. 
And ultimately, you know, we have to recognize that this country is, you know, needs oil wars, that that's what the military industrial complex demands. And that, you know, they after they did Iraq, they're now doing Ukraine, which is another oil war. And it's, it's you know, the CIA's function is to feed these wars to the military industrial, to create a pipeline of new wars to the military industrial complex that are going to, you know, benefit the oil industry. And that it's very easy to get these narratives out there that here's a really evil guy, you know, Vladimir Putin or, or Saddam Hussein that we need to take out and then um, and get the yellow press in our country all excited about it. And then they they are able to censor dissent by saying, if you don't go along with this, you're unpatriotic. We're not going to allow you on our network. But once you do that, people die. And you know, the United States has been like $20 trillion now on the on 30 wars that we have started, you know, in the last 50 or 60 years after World War II. So, um, you know, we need dissent. We need critics to be able to, to debate these things. Otherwise, you know, we're headed to a really, really dark place. I, I have a quick question. Go ahead, Christine. Yeah. So in some of these other situations, like with uh, DOD and the vaccines, they, they were putting legislation in place over a period of years to prevent any kind of backlash against their policies. Do you see that in the antitrust area? Have they put in laws kind of surreptitiously where it may prevent us from being successful in this case? Yeah, they, I or mean, that, that they have been, this is, there was a lot of premeditated planning. Mm -hmm. They put, you know, the emergency use provision during the Clinton administration, they put, um, the Patriot Act, uh, which you know allows the, the uh, which allowed the, now the, uh, the bioweapons arm race to resume, that allows the mm -hmm. CIA these extended powers to be able to not only spy on Americans but to propagandize them. They put all of these other laws in effect that um, that um, make it so that the military, which ran the vaccine program can buy these vaccines without clinical trials and without, um, you know, uh, best management uh, quality assurance, without uh, best manufacturing processes, and insulated everybody involved from litigation, from, you know, giving them all immunity from liability, the PrEP Act, the CARE Act, FICA, et cetera, and the emergency use authorization makes it almost impossible to sue these guys, even when they act criminally, which is how they're acting. Okay. Bobby, I just can't help but think, and Todd and I were, were talking about this because we knew that you know you were tied up, but we were just talking um, a few moments ago about how the World Economic Forum is talking even today about you know moving towards hate speech regulation. And I just keep on thinking to myself, do these guys really think they're going to get away with this? Do they really think well, that- Joe, I, I do want to say something about hate speech. I, I think hate speech, certain hate speech can be regulated legally by saying it's not protected. I mean, there are, there is speech that is not protected. In, inciting violence is not protected by the First mm -hmm. Amendment. Child porn is not protected by the First Amendment. Shouting, um, you know, fire in a theater, in a crowded theater is not protected against the First Amendment. Defamation is not protected, et cetera. You know, you um, so there are ways of um, of I think shielding certain kinds of uh, very uh, volatile hate speech. You know that is 
inspirationally motivated, et cetera. There are, it's tricky. You can do it in Germany. You know, you're not allowed to fly a swastika, et cetera. So there's ways to do it and yet protect free speech. But there's no general way of saying, I mean, you know, what I say about vaccines is called, is characterized as hate speech. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is that you have mission creep. Once you give somebody permission to censor any speech, it just, it, it, uh, it, it metastasizes like a cancer. And, you know, you have to be really, those kind of exceptions, the First Amendment have to be very, very narrowly drawn and they have to be themselves subject to great debate. Um, but, you know, so any, you know, obviously I'm not for hate speech. I'm not for measles. I'm not for COVID. I'm not for polio. But I think that, you know, there are, uh, we need to understand that there is nuance and that we need to have to be able to have the full panoply of, of debate where, you know, we can really get down to the weeds and figure out the, the, the values that we all share as Americans and protect those values and protect our common ground. And then, you know, let's talk about things we disagree about. Let's not just shut each other up. I agree with that, but I also think it's been very, very dangerous in the last three years. Uh, when I, you know, first started speaking to the vax injured, the COVID vax injured in early 2021, six months into 2021, Dennis Carroll, who's from the Fauci camp, the coronavirus hunter camp, said to me when I asked him, how did, what did he think of the rollout? He called the vax injured urban legends. And at that point, that's when I realized, okay, I need to get these these poor suffering people on camera because gaslighting reality, gaslighting truth is what makes me crazy when I see the BBC, AP, Reuters, some, some, some news organizations that in my day when I started out, we would hold up. Now they're turning into these liars. It's not even news anymore. They're suppressing, suppressing information that is needed in the public domain for people to be an educated public. And that's the part that I'm angry about. I don't know whether it'll ever fall under the uh, antitrust side of this or, or, or First Amendment. But I think that when you have something like this happening, it would be like suppressing the Rwandan genocide. I think it's wrong. I think it's morally wrong. And it's and this is not journalism. This is I could not do what I'm doing right now in terms of opening this up if I hadn't been introduced to Todd Wood and CD Media. Just pulling back the onion of doing real investigative reporting, because what they're doing is not investigation. They're going along with journals that are corrupt and they're it using their arguments not to report. Pardon me? It's propaganda. They're not doing yes. journalism anymore. They're doing stenography and they're doing propaganda. Yeah, it, it, it's, some, it's something else. Todd, you want to weigh in here? Because I know um, you guys, are, you're on the road and Bobby's busy. Well, yeah, I know it has to go. That's it, Christine. I just was curious as to what he thought, uh, you know, where the case would go. But yeah, and Bobby, you. good luck with this case. I, I hope all you guys win. I think I th- there's, you know, to me, it was inevitable that this that a case like this would not come up. And I'm glad you guys, have, both of you, have stepped up to the plate with this team of people. Yeah, well, Todd, thank you very much for everything you do at CD Media, you know, for freedom of speech. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you, you guys. Take care.